We are studying cues from the creators of conversational Christianity. That's quite a mouthful, but uh, I want to talk in our weeks to come about general conversation. That seems pretty basic. In fact, maybe for some too basic. And I think that it may be because we as the church, I think, have complicated things way too much. There's a phrase that is often used for things of that nature. It's, it's generally pointed towards other folks in denominational world, but the idea of a high church, there's certain high church songs that we sing. They've got that kind of a melody that's got the, you know, whatever. And, and there's high church context that we enter into, a kind of a cathedral mode as far as Christianity is concerned. They call that high church. Well, I, I fear that we in the very simple nature of the restoration movement have I think, been drawn off into largely a, a, a mode of complacency, a high churchness to our approach to things. There was a time, for instance, when uh, our gospel meetings and things would last for two weeks and, and uh, we'd meet in tents and anywhere that we could. And there were Bible studies going on and, and on and on you go. And yet it seems that we have now in the restoration movement, we pretty well contented ourselves to three times a week. And we don't even, since COVID, we don't even do that anymore. Uh, you know, as long as we get together and we, we sit in pews facing the back of the head of the fellow in front of us, we feel like we've kind of paid off God. And so we can move on with the rest of the week, which is unfortunate because that's not really where the movement began. Obviously, the restoration movement has its roots in the first century church. And if you study the first century church, one of the things that quickly comes apparent is their evangelistic approach was very simple. In fact, I gave you a challenge last week, and I'll challenge you again to study through the New Testament and make a list of the number of times that you find the apostles, the early church, the disciples ever using as their evangelistic approach. Hey, come to church. We meet down here at this corner. Come to church this Sunday. It, it, it's not their approach. It's not the way they went about it. All of them took it very personal that it was their job, not the preacher, not the elder, not Sunday school teacher. It's my job to make sure that I'm talking up Jesus because he's my best friend. That's why Peter will tell us to always be ready to give an account for the hope that is in you. That's not said to the generality of, of the eldership or the generality of the, of the preachership. That's said to each individual Christian. Every one of us needs to be ready to give an account. Every one of us ought to be able to have that conversation. And so, like I said last week, if, if you've worked beside this guy for 30 years and all of a sudden he's lost his wife or whatever and he's asking spiritual questions and you say to him, come to church Sunday and uh, come to church on Sunday and Sonny will tell you all about it, you have missed a grand opportunity. I don't even know this guy. I didn't work beside him for 30 years. You need to have your own testimony. You need to have your own uh, ability to be able to share with him why you have your have a hope. So I'm going to draw things back. I, I really believe the church desperately needs to simplify. We need to get back to the basics. And one of the grand basics is just being able to talk about your best friend, Jesus, being able to share with him. Now, as I introduce this, this second lesson, I, I want to say something that's going to carry through the rest of the series. And that is this. I think another area that we have perhaps failed in in the church is that we somehow got the idea that we had to be both the, the, the planter, the waterer, and the make it grow person all wrapped up in one. And we know that that's just simply not what the Bible tells us. One of us will plant, another will water, and God gives the increase. And that last part is absolutely significant. 
Your job is not to go out there and make sure that within five minutes of talking to a total stranger, you get them baptized. That's not your job. In fact, it's not even practical to think of it that way. Philip and the eunuch, which we'll talk about later on, is not a story, although I've heard it from our preachers, is not a story that backs up that method or that idea. The eunuch was coming from Jerusalem because he was already a very religious man. He had no doubt heard the stories of Jesus. He is now reading in scripture himself. And the eunuch who's reading these things, he's come to a place in Isaiah he doesn't understand. And Philip, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he hops up in the, tra in, in the, the trailer, I was going to say, in, in the chariot. And there they have a conversation about the Bible. But I need you to understand that. That was not a five-minute conversation. Hey, here's water. Let's get baptized. That man had had history. Certainly history in the Old Testament. He had had history in Jerusalem. He's under conviction. He's studying scripture. And in those moments, who nobody knows how long it took, but in those moments of describing to him how Isaiah is actually talking about the Jesus who he probably heard about just a few days ago in Jerusalem, that Jesus was crucified. Isaiah was talking about him. He was prophesying about him. And the eunuch falls under conviction. He says, here's water. Why can't I be baptized? The idea that you and I can go door knock and meet a total stranger in the course of five, ten minutes, get to a place where they are under such conviction they want to be baptized is not very practical. It's not New Testament Christianity. And yet we've been sold that. And I'll tell you why it's not New Testament Christianity. Because we are commanded as God's people to lay the foundation and God will give the increase. It may very well be so that in the course of five, ten minutes after knocking that door that you find an individual who wants to be baptized. But that wasn't because you did it. That's because God did it. He laid the course of the life pattern in front of that individual. You and I are simply the messengers. And the reason I say that by way of introduction is to say this. Sometimes the only thing you are going to be granted the opportunity to do is to say the word Jesus in their presence or to offer a prayer on their behalf. That may be as far as it goes. And you ought not be allowed to be beat up by other people who have said too many times in their evangelistic approaches, as I have been told, and I felt guilty for many years, if you sat beside that guy on the plane, you were on the plane for two hours and you didn't convince him to become a Christian, there's something wrong with your Christianity. That's not right. We can't be guilting people into that kind of thing. Because you don't know that other person's life story. I will say this. You sit beside a guy on a plane for two hours and Jesus doesn't come up in the course of the conversation. There's something wrong with your relationship with Jesus. How in the world can you go two hours and not talk about your best friend? But the idea of you getting him in the water within two hours, within ten minutes, it's just simply not our call. Our job is to sow the seed and to sow it as positively as possible. That's why I want to take you back to John chapter 4 rather rapidly. In John chapter 4, we're still with the woman at the well. And the second word that I have for you this morning is we need to take the initiative. Last week's word was be aware. This week's word is initiative. And as you travel through this story, it becomes pretty obvious how Jesus takes initiative. I'm in John chapter 4. And if you'll open your Bibles there, you'll see what, what the Holy Spirit has given to us here. As you, as you come on down to verse 7, you notice that it says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus says to her, Give me a drink. Now, it sounds very simple, and it is, but it's something that I think you and I have missed, perhaps, in our own approach to evangelism. Notice who it was that initiated the conversation. 
It's not the woman. And clearly she's not going to. She's a Samaritan. She's a woman. That's some guy sitting over there. I'm not going to initiate that conversation. That would have been totally out of context as far as the culture is concerned. Yet at the same time, I want you to understand that Jesus also bound by all the nuances of the craziness of the culture of that particular time, he steps out of that box and he does initiate the conversation with somebody who probably was outside the realm of typical manners of the culture. Men just didn't do that. You don't initiate a conversation, especially if she came alone to the well. Men just didn't do that. And you sure aren't going to do it to a Samaritan woman. And yet, she, yet he does. Because remember what it said back there in the early part of, of chapter 4, that Jesus had to go through Samaria. And we established that last week. Why did Jesus have to go through Samaria? Not because of geography. He could have got there other ways. Most Jews did. He had to go through Samaria because he knew there was an opportunity, and that opportunity was this woman. And so he says to himself as he sits down by the well, and this woman comes up possibly by herself, I need to have a conversation with her. Give me a drink. First thing I need you to see with regards to initiative is it's not hard to have a conversation. It's not hard to initiate a conversation. My favorite is the weather. Probably yours as well. Sometimes I'm sitting there, you know, wherever it may be, waiting on Cindy to get done grocery shopping or whatever it may be. And I, you know, somebody sitting beside me and, hey, you, you lived here all your life? Everybody likes to talk about, you know, where they live and that kind of thing. If you can get somebody talking about themselves, believe me, they're going to be pleased because everybody likes to talk about themselves. The next one, though, and Jesus employs that here, is if you can get somebody else to show you or you can be the one in need and you can say to the person, I have a need, could you fill it? And if it's a simple need that can easily be filled, they want to do that. That's what Jesus did here. I'm thirsty. Can you get me a drink? Well, she's drawing water already. That's not a problem. Now, she's going to go through the process of, you know, but you don't have any way to draw it. She, those are all excuses. I said. She's kind of making small talk along with excuses, et cetera, et cetera. But it's a simple thing. What do you think about this weather lately? Can you not turn the weather into a discussion about God? Surely. Surely we can take that one and run with it and turn that into a, you know, a, you know a, what God can do and the power of God. You see how easy it can be. But for some reason, we have complicated Christianity to the point that we feel like you've got to go through some kind of evangelism seminar before you can actually be a, a validated Christian. Nonsense. Just sit down and talk to somebody about your best friend Jesus. And if it starts with the weather, so be it. First point. Notice that by way of initiative... That it's Jesus who steps up. He doesn't do anything outrageous. It's not like he, his first question out the box is, hey, do you believe that baptism is necessary for the forgiveness of sins? He doesn't start there. He starts with, I'm thirsty. Could you get me a drink? Now, you know the end of the story. Most of the town's going to come out and believe on Jesus by the end of the story, but watch the patience of Christ. He not only is going to be patient, he's going to start with a simple drink of water, but he's going to be patient in understanding that this one single woman has the potential, even though probably the last favorite citizen of the town, she has the potential of bringing the rest of the folks out here. The patience, the faith of Jesus. Number one, I want you to notice that he took initiative in creating an interaction between the two. Number two, as you continue reading, 
You might notice as you get down to verse 9, it says, The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. She, she, she's puzzled by this. Why, you would even talk to me as a man to a woman? That doesn't happen in our culture. And I'm a Samaritan woman. Notice Jesus' response, because this is so big. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The second thing that Jesus does here is he takes the initiative to turn the subject towards that which is eternal. That's big. He turns the subject from just simple water. I'm thirsty. I'm parched. I need something. I'm tired. I'm sick. Could you get me a drink of water? And now he's going to take the conversation and he's going to turn it towards that which is of real value. Not just water, H2O. I want to talk to you about living water. I want to talk to you about things that are eternal. And that's the second thing that we need to learn from the master conversationalist, Jesus himself. And that is you can't leave the conversation hanging on just the mundane. Things that don't really matter. It's nice to talk about the, the weather and the farmers need another rain or the farmers don't need any more rain or whatever it may be. But until you turn that conversation toward God, that conversation really hasn't gone where it needs to go. Now, I'm not suggesting that we have to talk to them about rain and then the next, very next sentence we've got to say, do you believe in God? Obviously, we, we can use a little more common sense than that. But if I ask you, how's the weather? What do you think of the weather? Is it too hot for you this summer? Oh, man, I've just been sweltering this, this summer. I, my air conditioning just couldn't keep up with it. <laughs> You've seen the signs. That's an easy one. Man, I'm glad I'm not on my way to hell. Because you know it's going to be hot down there. That's an easy transition. Now, that may not be appropriate for every conversation. I get that. But you, or you could go with this one. You could say, you know, but you wait till September. Temperatures are going to change. We're going to go into another season. And we're going to look back on summer 2023 and we're going to say to ourselves, oh, that was so hot. But most of it we're going to forget and move on because we went into September, then into October, and the, the transition of seasons, etc. And How do you not use that to talk about God? How do we get a transition in seasons? God did that. And it's an easy transition. It's not like I have to hit, hit him in the face with something. God's part of everything. The trees are going to start losing their leaves. That's God. And Jesus in this second part, you'll notice he, he's initiating, not just initiating the interaction. He's now initiating the transition between just a mundane interaction to, let's talk about eternal stuff. And we, you and I need to do that as well. I'm going to end with a, a, a real-time illustration. It happened this past week that I think, uh, actually two weeks ago, that I think is going to make this point come really clear to you. Now we're going to end, the third one is verse 18. I want you to see here that he also initiated confrontation. This is the one that's a little bit difficult for you and I, and yet I want you to see that Jesus does it. Come on down here to verse 18. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, let's start at 16 so we get the whole context. Jesus said to her, go call your husband, come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying, you have no husband. Verse 18, for you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said, sir, I perceive, I perceive that you are a prophet. The third thing that I need you to see here is that in this little microcosm of a, of a conversation, 
you've got Jesus moving from the mundane of I need some water to I could talk to you about living water to you need to change your life. It's a really interesting conversation that evidently happens within a short period of time. And yet Jesus is able to move the pieces into position as he needs to in order to have this very, very significant conversation. The third thing that I think is important for you and I to see here in this is that there is a time, even in general conversation, for confrontation to take place. Jesus was able to do that, and we need to be able to do that. You're told at family reunions, two things you don't talk about, politics and religion, right? Nonsense. Forget that first one. I don't really care too much about that one. But uh, religion, surely your own family. We got to be able to go there with our own family. But there is a part of this third point that's really important for you to see that sometimes I think we overlook. And that is, I want you to notice that she says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. How does she come to that conclusion? I mean, they've just been talking for a few minutes and all of a sudden now you're a prophet. Because Jesus knew that she had had five husbands and was living with the guy now. So he was able to make this statement of, of fact that as a general stranger, he should not have known that. But he does. Now here's the application for you and I. You and I can't do that. I can't get into somebody's life, read their mind, know their back history like that. I can't do that. So what's the application? It is simply this. There is a time in every conversation, there is a time for confrontation if you have established the appropriate credibility to go there. And I think that's one of the things that we have often missed in our evangelism seminars, etc., this idea of knocking on a door, introducing ourselves to somebody, and within three or four minutes getting to the point where, listen, you're going to hell unless you're baptized. It's not, not only is it unreasonable, it's not credible. That person doesn't know me. They don't have any idea why I should have the authority to even make such a judgment call. Until I have spent time with that individual and shared with them the authority of Scripture... And in the course of them having a faith in God, not Sonny Childs, I need to be really careful about the confrontational stuff. We need to build foundation first, and that's fair. A person doesn't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's not in the Bible, but it's a good phrase. It's a good motto to live by. People need to have a foundation. I've told you this, this, this isn't my final story, but Cindy and I have been building a relationship with a fellow at one of our restaurant friends here in town. I think I told you the other day that uh, he actually pulled up a chair and sat with us right at the table and we began to talk. And a couple of times before that, on one of our visits, he actually tried to quote scripture. Now he botched it. He didn't, he didn't do it well, but he tried to quote scripture because he was trying to relate to us, etc. I'm building a foundation. This last time we had a conversation with him, I got to a point where I was real close to pushing the buttons with regards to, you know, why aren't you in church? What, what are you doing with your life? I think the next time I'll be able to do that. But see, I'm not Jesus in the sense that I can read his mind and I can say to him, you know, I know you've done this in your past and that in your past. You need to change. I'm not Jesus. I can't do that. I can't say within a, a course of three or four minutes things that will make him believe that I'm a prophet as this woman believed in Jesus. I can't do that. But I can over time establish a relationship with that guy and if I will keep in my mind the urgency of eternity, 
but also the patience of I'm just the seed sower and I can somehow make those things balance, this can be very, very effective. So as we review real quickly, your key word for today is initiative. You need to take initiative. Don't just be aware, take initiative. And introduce the conversation as Jesus did. Introduce the transition in the conversation to make it point towards heaven, towards God, something of that nature, to make the conversation worth having. And then once you've established credibility, there needs to be a moment of confrontation. Why aren't you involved in the Lord's church? Why aren't you a member of his fellowship? Why haven't you been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins? Eventually you got to get there. Establish credibility, but eventually you got to get there. True story. Sonny, you'll appreciate this. True story happened uh, at my favorite restaurant in town, which uh, he has some background. He knows that his, some uh, folks are very close to him own this particular restaurant. I was pulling out of there after picking up some to-go food, and uh, I was waiting to get back on the highway, just sitting there, and uh, one of the big trucks from town, that big dump truck actually, had a bunch of dirt in the back, etc. He was trying to make the, cur the turn in. He had plenty of room, but he, uh, he was struggling to make that turn. And uh, as I glanced up at him, I kind of went, because eh, he wasn't going to make it. But he thought he was going to make it. He didn't make it. <laughs> and and he, he ran into the side of my vehicle. Now, he wasn't going fast, and so it, it kind of jarred me a little bit. But other than that, it's, I just got a nice dent in the side of my vehicle. Well, they had to come, and they had to decide. It, it's, a tiff, it's a hard one. Because we don't know if we're on private property because I was basically in the out version of the parking lot. Where am I? You know, but I'm going on to the highway. Is it private property? Is it not? It was just a mess. And it took some time to get it unraveled. Two different police officers came, et cetera, et cetera. But eventually it's all said and done. And, uh, and both police officers, by the way, very nice. And as they were dealing with this, and one police officer, she eventually left, and the other police officer and I are standing there alone, and we're just talking, and he gives me the police report, blah, blah, blah. And he's about to walk to his vehicle. And I'm thinking to myself two things. I, almost every day of the week, I wear a T-shirt everywhere I go, and it has one word on it, Jesus. Cindy, she keeps these clean for me, and I, I've got one for every day of the week. It just says Jesus on it. It says Jesus here, and it says Jesus on the back. Nothing more. And the reason for that is because I don't want anything more. Jesus is enough. I'm going to let you decide what we're going to do with that. Well, I had that T-shirt on. So I've stood there with my Jesus T-shirt for probably 20 minutes. As they're working through this and that and people are passing and da-da-da-da-da. And I got to thinking, I can't let this police officer walk away from this situation. He knows I'm obviously a believer. I've got Jesus on my chest. And so it, I got to be honest, it was a little awkward because he's a man of authority. You know, he's got a gun on his hip and all that stuff, you know. But he was really kind and friendly. And I said, can I have a prayer with you? I really appreciate what you do. And can I have a prayer with you? And that old boy put out his hand. And there we stood as the sun sets over my favorite restaurant. Me and a police officer. Heads bowed, talking to the father. Now, that's all I got in. I didn't baptize him. I didn't find out what church he went to. I didn't have a lengthy Bible study. I'm not saying that won't happen in the future, but it did. All I got in was, can I have a prayer with you? And I think I did my job. Now, God may open the door eventually for me to go further. And I, if he does, God be praised. I'll go down. We'll do that thing. But right now, I think I did my job. 
But as I end, I, I need you to understand, asking the question was a little awkward. Now, if he had given me a ticket, that would have probably been even more awkward. But it wasn't my fault, so that helped a little bit. But, you know, man in blue, gun on his hip, he's got the authority. Can I pray with you? And he was thrilled. And I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to take initiative. Be aware. Take initiative.